You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Modern Web. Excited to talk about a really cool thing that unfortunately I very recently learned about, but it's one of the most amazing products out there and everybody should know about it. Um, it's called WebHint. And today we have two awesome folks who are main contributors of WebHint uh, joining us. So we have uh, Stephanie joining us, who is a program manager for the DevTools team and then Anton as well, who does engineering at Microsoft joining us. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet. And uh, I also have one of my co-hosts for today, Rob Osell, who is a senior software engineer at this.labs, joining to have this awesome discussion. So I hope by the end of this podcast, everybody knows exactly what WebHint is and why they should use it. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So yeah, Stephanie, why don't you just uh, maybe start by introducing kind of what WebHint is for people that might that might be the first time they've ever heard of it. For sure. So um, WebHint is a tool to help web developers create better websites. Um, to be a web developer, developer, you have to know not just about HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, but also accessibility, security, performance, PWAs and the list goes on and on. And so it's impossible for a web developer to keep up with everything that's always changing in the web. There's always new frameworks, new updates, it's just constantly changing. And so um, with WebHint, um, we really try to help web developers in that aspect. And um, it's a hinting engine that is going to give developers advice on different categories, so security, um, uh, performance and it'll help you improve your website pretty much. Great. Um, so what kind of, you know, where did this project get started? Like wh what was the impetus for creating this or, you know, where did it, where did it all take place? So uh, we, so on the Microsoft Edge team at one point, we had a different um, scanning tool basically for websites. And this kind of evolved from that. And um, we we really wanted a tool that didn't have Microsoft's name on it. So even though we work for Microsoft, the, um, the, the tool lives under the JS Foundation. And so that way uh, we have sort of a neutral ground where web developers from different parts of the community, even if they work at Chrome, if they work at Firefox, everyone can come and contribute to make the web a better place and not have a, a specific opinion about the web. So we're not trying to drive like Microsoft's story about the web. We want everyone to have a part in it. That's actually really interesting. So, um, you know, how does, 
how, how do we actually start using this on our on our um, website? So when I looked on the website, it looked like there was a, a runner directly from the WebHint website where you could test you know, a particular URL. But are there other ways that, that people can execute this? Can they tie it into their build systems? Or like, how do people usually use this on their projects? Anton, do you want to take that one? Yes. So um, the idea with WebHint is that we want to give feedback to developers at any stage of the development cycle. So sometimes you are using, uh, hopefully, VS Code or something similar, and you are typing, and we want WebHint to be there. Or some others you are testing locally with your browser, and we want WebHint to be there. Or maybe your website is in production, and we also want WebHint to be there and give you feedback. So I would say that WebHint, at least in the next few weeks, is going to be capable of being used anywhere in that development cycle. Right now, we have the command line. Uh, we distribute it as a, an NPM package. You just have to do NPM install hints to, to add it to, to your local project. And then it will be pretty much similar to ESLint. You have a configuration file. You decide what things uh, you want to run, in what browsers you want to, to access, the, the output, how do you want it to, to look like, and just go from there. We also have a VS Code extension that uh, right now is in previous state. Uh, that you can install directly from the VS Code Marketplace. And uh, as long as you are typing things uh, with uh, an HTML, or even we're going to provide you hints about your TypeScript configuration file, or even Webpack, uh, well, you will get the, those results as, as you are typing in VS Code. And as you said, we have the, the online scanner as well. That That's pretty much the, the lowest barrier entry for anyone to, to test the web hint and know if it's something that could be useful for, for them. And it only analyzes. Um, public websites, but I think it's, it's a good uh, starting point. Um, so, we're also working on a on a web extension in a cross browser web extension. Uh, right now, there is a currently a pull request in there with some uh, with uh, with a package that you can side load, and we are testing it on it, and we expect to to see it in the in the next few weeks as well. Great. So, are there? You were mentioning like some comparisons to ESLint there. Like, I'm curious: are there parts of WebHint that are running continuously? Some of the hints that it's giving you, like, are if you're you know editing code in your browser, is it giving you suggestions as you're typing, or is it something that you only execute like when you want to run a you know an analysis? Does it does it do like a particular analysis, or does it consistently analyze your code? It depends on how you configure it. So uh, the interesting part of the command line is that you can decide what you want to analyze. You can analyze a, a URL. It could, you could have a, a local web server or an external web server, or you can even analyze your local files. If you are using the what we call the local connector, uh, you're uh, analyzing your local files, you can run it in watch mode. So as long as you're saving, it will, give, it will bring you new results. Uh, one of the things that, that we are exploring also for the for the browser extension is this developer mode that, that you are talking. Most of the, the people, well, at least I, I used to have something like live reload when I'm working locally, that as soon as I save, the page is going to be reloaded. Uh, and we are thinking of maybe adding that to the browser extension as well. As soon as we take that there is a, a reload on the website, just provide you the analysis that, that we find. But so far, uh, it's uh, it will be in the, on the command line analyzing the your local file. That's really interesting. So what are some of the things that it's going to detect? Because I mean, we've talked about a couple. There was some talk about performance. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think there was some about accessibility as well. Um, yeah. is, it, is it doing even things, is it doing some of the things that ESLint is doing as far as like unused variables or types, anything like that? Or what are some of the things that WebPen is actually looking for? Yeah, so we we don't want to, to do the same that ESLint is doing. This website, uh, this tool is mainly for public websites, 
So at that moment, the code is going to be minim is minimized and it's going to have these weird things uh, that you get after running Aglify and things like that. And still, it's like, yes, Lynn does a great job uh, doing those, those tests. There is no point on us on, on reinventing the wheel. So what, uh, what WebHint does is, uh, right now we have six categories. It's accessibility, security, performance, uh, compatibility. Um, we have also development. If you're doing local development in with TypeScript and, and Webpack uh, for the configurations. I think I'm missing one or two. PWAs. Uh, oh, yeah, progressive web apps. Um, that's it. I think so. Yeah. OK. So we are going to be analyzing different things like that. Uh, the ESLIN was a, a lot of inspiration at the beginning of the project because we really like how uh, all the governance model was done. We really like the, the easiest of configuration. It's like you just have a, a JSON file, and it's just, OK, I want an error, a warning, or maybe I want to tweak this, this other rule. So we definitely took a lot of inspiration from, from ESLint at, at the beginning of the project. But we definitely don't want to do the, the same that ESLint does. What's more, uh, we want to collaborate with other parts of the web. There are many tools and services that are doing a, a great job out there. So uh, one of the cool things with WebHint is that we can actually uh, incorporate those uh, into the into our engine. For example, for accessibility, we are using Axe for, for analyzing it. And there are others like Snake for detecting uh, uh, vulnerabilities in JavaScript libraries, SSL Labs for uh, verifying if your security if your certificate is well configured and and so on is the, the team is really small and it doesn't make any sense for us to, to invest in those tools that are already out there they have a, a nice team maintaining it and and we want to to be good players with with them so we want to, to promote them and tell them like hey this this tool out there is, is doing a great job so so please use it and, and maybe do some some type of collaboration great and and can you go into those collaborations a little bit more like I'm curious who is driving those decisions or who is um is the community suggesting some of these tools to pull in is this something that the team is looking at are those teams reaching out um you know for example if somebody's sitting there they get into webhint they really love it and then they have a different static analysis tool that does a different class of tests is that something they should be bringing to to you guys kind of how does that mm -hmm. process go yeah definitely like uh, as, uh well maybe you want to answer this stephanie I feel like you, I've been talking a lot. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> um, so for the collaborations that we have right now, um, I believe the team um, sort of just went out and reached out to people at Axe and Snake. Um, and so like we're actively looking for people to collaborate with. Um, and we like we encourage people to collaborate like we're hungry for collaborators so if there are people out there who want to collaborate you can contact us on github and let us know what you have and uh, we can see if we can integrate it with webhint cool and does um you know if people have i guess what i'm curious about is how people can maybe extend or expand the amount of analysis tools that they might use relevant to their own project. So maybe they don't feel like this should be a standard hint or a standard rule that everybody uses. Do people have the ability to either create their own custom hints or rules or to to share or possibly pull in things that might be unique to particular tools that they're using? So in the command line tool, it's pretty extensible. And Anton can probably uh, go into a little bit more technical detail on that. But that is possible. Yes, one of the things that, that we believe is that the, there shouldn't be a set of standards for all the websites. It's like every website is unique and it has a different set of requirements. 
I'm working on enterprise on an intranet website, I'm pretty sure that the requirements I have are not going to be the same as an online shopping experience. Probably I have to uh, support Internet Explorer 10 or 11, if maybe I'm lucky, and, and maybe some other quirks. So we want uh, WebKin to, to adapt to, to your needs. And we know that, uh, well, we have a set of core uh, hints that we believe all the websites should have passed, but maybe you disagree. So that's why we allow you to turn it on and off anyone pretty easily. But there are other uh, scenarios for your business case that you might need to do something uh, deeper or other type of analysis. And for that, we allow you to create new hints that you can easily incorporate into the command line. You just need to use npm create hint and you will have uh, you will get prompt with a wizard from the command line. Just answer a few questions and, and start coding with it. So we try to make it super easy for you to, to create the, the hints that are specific for you. So you can keep going. Very cool. So I know, like, I've seen a lot in the community recently about static testing. I don't, I don't know why it seems like it's really picking up right now, but like mm -hmm. Kent Dodds has talked about his testing trophy, um, and he has like the base of it is static analysis tools. And mm -hmm. I know like Minko has his Codalizer, which was really huge in the Angular community. Um, I think a lot of people are getting into this now. When it, you know, so they're probably excited about using this tool. Do you suggest that they just pull it in and turn everything on, or should they turn on rules one at a time? Like for people that have not really played with these tools, maybe even not used ESLint other than what their IDE enforces on them, you know, how do you suggest that these people start to introduce WebHint to their projects? So, well, for me, I think if you if you don't know where to start, I think the online scanner is a good place to start, to start. It'll just give you an idea of everything that we're checking. And again, the online scanner isn't um, as configurable as the command line tool, but it'll give you an idea of what we're checking for. And then that way you can go in and go in and see, okay, what errors am I getting and what do I care about? And then, um, then you can dive into the command line tool and look at our documentation on how to, how to configure that for your needs. Yeah, um, there is something interesting with the command line is that we have a, a default configuration that you are going to run if you don't have a hint RC file, which is our configuration file. And we are going to prompt you like, hey, just for you to know, it's like we are using our default configuration. If you want to create a new one, go to this website. And another thing that, that we have is similar to ESLint, uh, storable configurations. You can create your own JSON file, publish it to NPM, and then start sharing it with, with other people or across different projects that, that you have. Great. And so, you know, these people, they're executing their tests, they're getting their first report. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully it doesn't have many suggestions on it, but but maybe depending on the project, it has a lot because it could be a big, large legacy mm -hmm. or enterprise project. Um, you know, when they're looking at, say, their first set of hints or their first report, how do you guys suggest that they start to tackle those issues or prioritize those issues or even get their head around what the report might say? Like I said, if they're using some big internal enterprise level tool or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, at the beginning, the, the first thing that you might run uh, WebHint, it could be a bit scary. You might get a lot of a lot of errors, but um, I would recommend people to get a step back and go through all the list, and they will realize that a lot of the hints that we are providing them are exactly the same thing. It's just that they apply to many different assets. For example, we analyze the servers that uh, the headers that are sent from the responses, and you must you might have to just tweak a bit the, your server configuration and maybe fix 100 of those servers. It's like just remove this header or just add the right content type for, for all of this and, and you will get all of those fixed. So I would say to yeah, take a, take a step back. Uh, there are six different categories uh, 
really think uh, what are the ones that, that you care about probably is going to be something maybe accessibility or going to be security or maybe performance. But yeah, it's like, just keep the, the focus on what you want you to fix first and go one by one and, and read the documentation and understand exactly why uh, why we are flagging that, that thing and if it really applies to, to your use case. Because maybe it's something that, okay, yeah, this is something that I could fix, but it's not going to have any, any big impact in, for my website or I really don't care that much. So I, maybe I can just disable it and, and ignore it for now. So it's it's important for us that developers don't follow blindly what we are telling them. That's why we uh, try to have a really good documentation for you to, to really understand what's going on and why you should care. But at the end, you are the one who knows the best your website and, and what really matters to you. And also, I want to say one other thing too, like going into the, the WebHint scanner, I, like everyone's website is going to um, have an error. Like even our website at one point had a bunch of errors. And because we're always evolving and updating, like, or, or updating the hints, like, it's 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 an evolving process. It's evolving with the web. So even though you may have a bunch of errors, you're not the only one. So it's just about prioritizing what's important to you. Um, going back to what you just said, Stephanie, just because you don't have any errors right now doesn't mean that you are not going to have in the future because the web is evolving and things change and best practices change as well. Right. And you know, continuing down this idea of so they have the report and they're starting to fix things. Um, I think on the report I noticed, I, I'd seen this, but can you explain like what hints or documentation that people might see in their report that might help them figure out why the hint or error showed up in the first place and what they could possibly do to fix it? Because I'm sure you probably know this, like a lot of these teams, they're probably not doing this stuff intentionally, so they might not even know why this particular error was thrown. So what kind of documentation or help do you give them to sort of figure out how to fix things? So we have pretty extensive documentation because Part of our part of Webin's mission isn't just to like give you a bunch of errors, but we're trying to educate web developers too. So when you get an error on something, we're we're telling you why you're getting that error and how to fix that error. Uh, so we have again very extensive documentation. And then the great thing about um, the documentation as well is if you when we've had people not agree with some of our our. Um, warnings and errors, you can come into GitHub and we will happily talk about why you're throwing that error and why we're, we're, where we're pulling that documentation from. Or actually fix it because there's been a, a couple of times where we were wrongly detecting something. So if you see something that you are not sure why we are flagging it, just, just let us know. But uh, going back to, to that is one of the, the things that we do is try to, to tell you exactly where the error is. It's, maybe it's in the header section, so we are going to, to show you the, exactly the header that is failing or maybe the piece of HTML code and, uh, that, that has the error. And another thing that, that we've done to also in the documentation, especially related to, to server configurations, is to give you examples on how to tweak your Apache Conf for your IIS configuration. So we've been testing it with quite a few versions and, and trying to grasp it. So like, hey, this is the kind of the minimal configuration that you need to, to fix these, these issues. Because unfortunately, not all the web servers come with a, a good configuration out of the box. Awesome. So. You know, I know we kind of touched on this earlier that this kind of project, the WebHint project, came out of um, like the Edge team and, it, and it's coming out of Microsoft and Microsoft still has a big role in pushing it and making sure that this project is successful. Um, you know, obviously the perceptions exist maybe that this is a Microsoft product or that, you know, you guys are pushing 
this vision of how you want the web to go. And if people do this, they're subscribing to that. Um, I know that that isn't the case. I know you guys are, are partnered up. So do you guys have anything, you know, in response to that? Like, what do you say to the, the people that say that? Go ahead, Andrew. So, okay. <laughs> so the, that was the, one of the main goals for us was to, to make this solution cross-browser and cross-platform. We know that uh, the, web is, the web doesn't belong to, to a single company or, or a single browser. And, and our users are using a wide variety of, of browsers. And we, we want to make sure that uh, we give you the best advice for absolutely every single browser. And to do that, we, we need to be where our users are going to be. So uh, with WebKind, you can run it. As I said before, you can use analyze your local files, but you can use a Chrome or a, to get the results from, from a website, or you can use JSDOM, which is another one. Uh, you can also use uh, Edge, although it will not give you the, the same uh, in-depth as, as Chrome or JSDOM because we have some, some limitations around the debugging protocol. We are currently working in a, on an extension that is going to work on Chrome and Firefox as well, and Edge also. So uh, we really want this webkin to be a, a project for the community by the community. And the only way to, to make that is to make sure that we are everywhere in all the browsers that we can and all the platforms and, and provide you the the, the guidance that, that you need for, for your users. Is there any yeah. way to like deeper integrate you guys into things like people, you know, for people who are using uh, Chrome or Firefox or anything. It was so funny. I mean, just uh, reiterating on Rob's point that I was telling somebody about WebHint and they say, oh, I don't use Edge. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that was like, but I didn't realize that you had to use Edge for that. So how, how do we do that? Like, how can we as developers kind of um, help promote WebHint in a way that uh, makes it makes people realize that it's a tool open for everybody. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I guess that we'll have to make, a, a, I don't know, maybe more blog posts, more podcasts, explain that, yeah, it's like this This tool is actually cross-browser, cross-platform. The thing with, with WebHint is that it's not tied to a browser. It's like, you can run WebHint without using a browser underneath. It's like, that's the, the most powerful thing. and. Yeah, we, we need to, to make a, a better job at communicating that. Stephanie, do you have yeah. any ideas? No, I agree with all that. I I think maybe just because we're on the Microsoft Edge team, and I think Anton and I are pretty visible, at least on social media or at conferences. And so I think that sometimes that just gets, I mean, people automatically assume that, oh, it's a Microsoft product. But that should um, be like the first, the first post, like, <laughs> Cross browser, cross platform. Do not mm -hmm. need to use a browser to use WebHint or, or something like that. So it really just gets mm -hmm. to people's yeah. mind before they start. Yeah. <laughs> um, another question I had is, uh, you know, JS Foundation, and um, you know, I, uh, you know, we. It seems like there's been quite a few different foundations that have popped up. What was the decision, sort of underlying um, the decision to sort of move it into a JS Foundation project? So we knew that uh, if we wanted this project to be successful in the long term, we needed the help of the community. The, I mean, the, the task is, is too big to just rely on one single company or just a small team of, of developers. So we wanted to, to set this project up to success since the beginning. So that's why we decided not only to make it open source, but also that it needed to be on a, on a foundation with the right governance model 
to make sure that if there is any other people or company that that could wanted to join, that will have exactly the same weight as as Microsoft in it. And that's what the governance model says. Like there are more companies, there can be only like I think it's like two people. So if Chrome joins or Firefox joins, everyone will have like two people in the steering committee. And that's really cool because it kind of it, it just. Um, it, it kind of provides a sort of guarantee in a sense that, mm -hmm. hey, you know, even if Microsoft decides to stop supporting WebHint as a product, mm -hmm. uh, it's always going to live on through the JS Foundation and it won't actually mm -hmm. go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's that's why we want it. Like uh, in the team, in the WebHint team, we are strong believers on the open source uh, and the web community. So it was it was an interesting uh, challenge that we have inside to, to convince management that this was the, the right approach, but we succeeded in the end. So that was pretty cool. And and then it was just a matter of, of deciding which foundation, and the Yes Foundation seemed like a, a good one. We had several other people in, in the team who had um, other projects under the Yes Foundation, like Lodaz, um, Moment, um, Webpack, and we have, there are maintain, maintainers of these projects are also in the in the Edge team. So, um, yeah, it's like we reach out to, to Chris and say like, hey, we have this idea of the project. It's like, do you like to be in the Yes Foundation? And then went from there. And then another question is, um, you know, based on that or just in general, when we look at the um, the maintainers of WebHint, is it still currently mostly Microsoft contributors or have there been people from the community that have stepped up and, and uh, become core contributors to WebHint? So I say that the uh, most, uh, the largest amount is from from Microsoft or for people that we are working closely with. We had quite a, well, quite a few. We had a, a few contributors like doing all the, creating a, a couple new hints or adding new features. There was, I can't remember the name of, of this person, but there was one person that in one day he reviewed absolutely all the documentation that we had uh, and, and it was great. It was a, a really big uh, pull request with all the fixes because most of the people are in, or most from the most of the people from the, the team are in English speaking. I'm from Spain. We have Katani who is from Romania, um, David who's from Spain as well. So yeah, our English is sometimes broken, and, and it was great to have someone review all, all the documentation and providing feedback and, and things like that. So I say that the uh, majority is from from Microsoft, but we've had a, a few good contributions or from outside and. And we are starting to see more people using it and opening issues and, and giving feedback on, on things that we want to implement. So we're excited about that. Great. You know, first of all, I you know I didn't know that much about WebHint either. So a lot of these questions are I'm asking on my own behalf. But when I was playing with it, and uh, you know, I was just putting in random websites and reading some of the hints that they were getting, and mm -hmm. you know, it was very informative just to read through the descriptions of other people's hints, just as a way to have some guided uh, learning about some stuff that maybe, you know, you're not paying attention to. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd probably suggest to people that you know, don't know about it, you don't have to already have, uh, you know, a website in your pocket that you need to test. Mm -hmm. uh, you can test out some public ones and just by clicking on the buttons, it, you know, it tells you it, it mm -hmm. give you information on why it's important, how to fix it. I mean, figure out how to fix other people's sites. And if they're, if they're open, uh, maybe maybe make some pull requests and help them out with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think you know that excitement building. You know, have you guys started to look into what 2019 looks like for WebHint? Do you guys have ideas on you know where you're going to go? I mean, I've noticed like 
in the last couple of months, there's the VS Code plugin, you know, that that's come up and I'm sure adding support for additional browsers, you know, what else do you guys have planned for 2019? Have you, have you sort of had those discussions yet? Yes, we, we've started having those discussions. So one of the things that we've been doing recently, as you said, is, is having support for the VS Code extension and other browsers, but we've kind of letting down, like adding more hints. We, we really want to go back to the core, which is analyzing and providing you feedback for, for best practices. And, and we want to, to focus again on that. There are other things that we want to do is like uh, make it easy for you to integrate into your pipeline. We have some guidance on how to do it using Travis, but we want to maybe streamline and, and create some maybe some packages that will allow you to, to easily test uh, your website with WebKit and when you are publishing something on Travis, Jenkins, CircleCI, and, and things like that. So that's another one. And there is something that uh, people have asked, which is um, actions. Like uh, right now, uh, WebKit is only going to go to a URL and it's going to analyze whatever comes down the wire. But sometimes you are going to find other issues when you are like, okay, uh, authenticating this page, click here and then type this thing. Like we, people have asked about that type of, of a scenario. So we want to, to investigate how we can provide those. And definitely for the VS Code extension, we, we want to, one of the things that I'm most excited about is uh, support for templates. Right now is plain HTML and configuration files and things like that. But I think that adding support for, for template files will, will be really interesting because that's what most of us developers are, are using. And those are some of the, of the things that we want to work on with. Great. So when you were saying like some of those actions, I mean, I know you still need to investigate it, but mm -hmm. is the idea being that people might be able to do like uh, connect this with some sort of like end to end, or if they have like a single page application, they could get it set up into a particular state and then run the web hints when it's in that state, just yeah. in case, you know, it's not there on initial load, but it eventually gets into a, a scenario. Yeah. That's the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's very interesting, actually. I think that's probably pretty, especially really useful for a, a lot of different projects. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we touched on this a little bit, but is is there a, any particular pressing need or ways that people can get involved? Like, I'm sure there's people out there that are like, okay, VS Code, I know everybody's using VS Code, but, you know, I'm still holding tight with, you know, whatever uh, editor I'm using, or, you know, I'm really a Firefox person. I, I love using Firefox, or it's really important to our product. I know you guys have documentation on the website that kind of explains people how they can help and get started with making adapters and helping the team. But is there anything particular, uh, any immediate needs that, that that you guys have or ways that people could kind of start to get involved? Is there more documentation they could be updating, for example? So I'd say that uh, probably like going, I don't know, there, there are many things that, that people can do to, to contribute. I'd say that the main one is making sure that our documentation is great. So not fixing it, but actually telling us like, hey, there are things that I don't understand from the documentation, or there are things that uh, that are missing and just filing issues on those so we can actually fix them. Because yeah, asking a, a newcomer to, to fix our documentation is kind of weird because probably they, they don't know that much about the, the project. So so yeah, it's like trying to understand our documentation and if it makes sense or if there is anything we can do to improve that, that will be, that will be great. And also providing us ideas. We, we have a, a repo, the RFCs, repo that, that will be great. It's like, okay, I've seen that you have all these hints or all these, these things that you're testing for, but I really would think that you should investigate on that. Or actually just grabbing one and say like, hey, I'm going to start working on this and just, just help me through the process. Um, I don't know, there, there are many things that like, we have so so many different options and, and products that basically we have anything for anyone that, that wants to contribute in, on this project. 
Very good. Um, you know, I, we've saved a question for near to the end here, but I think when, when people go to the website, um, mm -hmm. they're going to notice an adorable narwhal splashed all over the page. So I don't know if you guys wanted to take a second, or Stephanie, if you wanted to kind of yeah. introduce us to the narwhal and, and, and what that means to, to WebHint. So that is Nellie the narwhal, and um, my main contribution to the project has been um, leading the design and the branding. So I, I designed the website and came up with Nellie. Um, Nellie just went through a makeover, and we did just have a uh, illustrator redesign her, so she's even cuter. But um, the narwhal really came about uh, when we were trying to come up with names for the project. So um, WebHint is the third iteration of the name. We originally were talking about um, the name being Sonar, but that's a really popular name. And so we were talking about like a scanning tool and I personally absolutely love whales. And so I was like, oh, Sonar, whales, and it's research. And according to the internet, narwhals have um, some of the strongest echolocation. And so I was like, yes, perfect. I'm going to make, like Nelly the narwhal is going to be our, our mascot. And um, she, people seem to love her to pieces. And um, I, I know she's been a, a success because people have come to the website and sometimes, um, when you run a scan, you'll get popped into a, a queue to wait um, for your scan to complete. And one of the illustrations there is like Nellie sweating in the dark, working overtime. And someone said to me, um, I, I couldn't even be upset that I was waiting because she was so cute. And so for me as a designer, then that is that is a good job. So. That's yeah, one of the few projects where people wants to want to dive back into the queue. They're like, let other people go. I'm fine. I'll wait. Exactly. <laughs> is it Nelly? Is it N E L L Y or I E? I E. Cute. I love it. I have to say that uh, we had a mascot even before we had the first line of code. It's like yes. Stephanie was so hard. It's like, okay, this is the logo, this is the mascot. And it's like, okay, I haven't even created the first line of, of code. So it's good fun. priorities. So in 2019 or even now, do, do, is there like a Nelly line of, of swag? Like if, if we see WebInt at a conference, do you, do you guys have Nelly stickers? Yes, um, we have, we have, yes, we have Nelly stickers and she, uh, or she, they are actually custom to the event. So we were just in New York for Smashing Conference. I wish I had a sticker with me because it's um, Nelly is Indiana Jones um, in New York and there you go. <laughs> um, and yeah, so for a lot of the events that we do, we have custom stickers because it's just cute and who doesn't love a cute sticker? I think Microsoft actually does the best job at that. Like I've been seeing all the um, Microsoft things and it's like they're, you guys always have like a, the, the uh, little Clippy and somebody skipping around or the little Google Docs baby and skipping around. So, yeah, I, I particularly love the um, Azure Advocates raccoon. Yes, it's pretty cute. So cute. <laughs> oh, well, that is so cool. Um, so wrapping up, um, Stephanie, where can we find you on the Internet if we need to come bother you about, you know, getting involved in the docs or we have ideas or 
So you can find me on Twitter. I am on there a lot. My username is Cotta, S-E-A-O-T-T-A. Okay, great. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being so open on the internet. And um, Anton, how can we find you? Yeah, that would be the same for me, Twitter or GitHub. I have the, the same username in both, which is Moland, M-O-L-A-N-T. Great. Awesome. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for teaching us about a little bit about WebHint. Um, really excited about it. I think we should definitely be doing some sort of deep dive and, and uh, you know, actually be able to see like what WebHint is about next. So maybe we can do that next together. Um, and, you know, again, if anybody is interested in other modern web po podcasts, you can check out our website, this.co slash modern dash web, if you even know what I'm talking about there. But I will put a link in this uh, this podcast for you guys to view. Um, or you can follow Modern Web on Twitter, which is uh, twitter.com slash modern dot web. That's modern D-O-T web. So... I feel like, you know, you guys went through a bunch of those different um, iterations on the, uh, you know, on Nelly, but I feel like maybe, you know, like uh, Jay, our, uh, one of our other co-founders is Jay at this dot dot CO. It's like, how do you actually get to there? <laughs> uh, but anyways, thank you everybody for uh, listening to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Lady Leet. Feel free to come say hi any anytime. Or uh, my co-host Rob Osell, and he's on Twitter as well at Rob Osell. That's Rob O C E L L. And uh, we'll see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by NativeScript. Want to use your web skills to build iOS and Android apps? Try NativeScript. NativeScript is an open source framework for building native mobile apps using technologies you already know like JavaScript, Angular, or Vue. Learn more at nativescript.org slash modern web. Yeah!